global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are holding on to the gains, inching higher after a number of companies announced deals after the Labor Day holiday. Energy companies making the biggest gains as investors hope for a deal that could limit oil production and send prices and company profits higher right now. West Texas Intermediate crude up 1%, advancing 43 cents a barrel, 44.87 right now on West Texas Intermediate crude. Brent crude down six tenths of 1%. Gold rallying $27 the ounce to 13.50 up by 2%. And the 10 year up 18.30 seconds at yield 1.54%. S&P 500 index up three to 21.83, a gain of one tenth of 1%. Dow Industrials up 24, a gain of one tenth of 1%. NASDAQ up by three tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's the Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. The shares of Spectra Energy are higher by nearly 15% today after Canada's Enbridge says that it is buying the Houston-based company for a $28 billion price tag. It's going to create the largest energy pipeline and storage company in North America. Here to tell us more, Tim Lowe, energy reporter for Bloomberg News. Tim, thanks very much for coming in. Tell us, why does Canada's Enbridge want this deal? Sure. Well, uh, thanks for having me. The primary reason is, you know, coming out of this energy downturn that we've been undergoing, a lot of the the pipeline companies, the midstream sector, uh, there's a sense that there's security in being bigger and being faster, being, you know, stronger uh, should there be another downturn. And, uh, this is a, a play at that. Uh, it would, it's the, you know, the biggest ever, uh, buy by a Canadian company in another country. So they're really setting their sights pretty high with this one. So Tim, is part of this that, uh, given, uh, expense, given all the regulatory hurdles you have to jump through and then most famously Keystone XL being blocked, that it's just, hey, why try to buy, buy especially if you're already big, just snap up the existing ones as fast as you can? Absolutely. It kind of is sort of like the old adage, you know, you don't appreciate what you have until crisis hits. There's a uh, – it's getting harder and harder to to build these pipelines, these huge, massive infrastructure projects that can span half a continent um, through whether it's environmentalist uh, sentiment trying to prevent the projects from being built – uh, regulatory hurdles. So, um, there's sort of a, maybe a new appreciation for the, the pipelines that already exist. And as you said, it's easier to buy than to build. Easier to buy than to build, indeed. Uh, is there any, uh, regulatory issue that we need to be mindful of? Well, it'll have to go through all the, the usual regulatory, um, hurdles. Um, you know, shareholder votes. Uh, but the sentiment that I've encountered talking to investors and analysts today is pretty bullish on this. They think it makes sense. Uh, it'll be good for shareholders. And uh, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of concern. I just love uh, what uh, Spectra's CEO said will be the FedEx of the pipeline business. We ship, we pick up, we store product. <laughs> Absolutely. And what he might have added to that is, you know, where exactly? And that's part of the point, which is everywhere. Uh, Enbridge, obviously, is a huge player in Canada. Uh, Spectra has been 
putting a lot of uh, resources into uh, assets along the Mexican border, uh, and they have you know some of the premier pipelines in the U.S. So this will really create a company. Some are calling it what could be you know the first super major uh, pipeline company. Is one of the reasons why they're doing this deal because over the summer the Canadian uh, High Court. Uh, nixed a project, an approval for Enbridge to build a pipeline to the west coast of Canada to export their oil? Uh, some people uh, think that might have something to do with it. Uh, and again, it plays into the this sort of theory that uh, it's getting easier just to, to you know, cobble together assets rather than try to build new ones. Um, Tim, just a quick comment, if you would, on uh, a story that was brought to my attention, but mostly today, but you've already written, your team's already written about it last week, about a North Dakota pipeline that involves four states. It's facing protest. It's potentially, it may not be blocked, but I guess it just for our listeners who may not be following that, again, just kind of illustrating why this is so important to buy existing pipelines. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, there were arrests made last week at uh, some of the protests. Uh, it's the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, spearheaded from Energy Transfer, uh, which is a company that, you know, tried to follow a similar playbook when they tried to purchase Williams Company last year. Uh, that deal inevitably fell through. Um, and, um, but yeah, so the sort of the environmental movement is more organized than in the past. They're able to, Keystone was a prime example. And what did, uh, uh, TransCanada end up doing after the Keystone didn't come through? Earlier this year, they went out and they bought Columbia Pipeline Group. So similar playbook. All right. Well, Tim, well, thank you so very much. So as you as the story develops, we'll look forward to having you back on Taking Stock. Thank you so much, energy reporter for Bloomberg News. Now let's get to Mark Nakat, government reporter for Bloomberg News uh, in Columbus, Ohio today. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton getting ready to go to battle in the battleground states. Two months now left before the election. This is clutch time. Mark, welcome back. So, uh, where, what are you seeing today? Who are you talking to? Well, we're kind of following up the uh, Labor Day unofficial kickoff of the uh, um, final sprint to the election. Obviously, we have a much longer campaign cycle, but uh, you know, traditionally, a lot of people start paying attention uh, after the summer vacations and are over and school starts after Labor Day, and we're sort of following what states the campaigns are targeting. Um, today, Donald Trump is in the battleground states of Virginia and North Carolina. Hillary Clinton is in Florida. But yesterday, all four principals on both sides were in Ohio, maybe the key battleground states. And former President Bill Clinton was also in Ohio yesterday, sort of for Labor Day events. And what we're seeing is sort of the, the, the map really sort of focused on the key states that are going to really decide this election. And in the case of Donald Trump, particularly in the industrial Midwest, states like Ohio and Pennsylvania, that he really needs to win uh, if he's going to uh, get the 270 electoral votes needed to win the presidency. Mark, uh, there are, what, 64 days to go before the election and just 17 days before the first early voting begins. What kind of organization does Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have, let's say, in Florida right now? Well, we're seeing stories emerge, including uh, one that uh, my colleagues at Bloomberg uh, Politics put out uh, last week that suggests Donald Trump is, is far behind Hillary Clinton in terms of the 
so-called ground game. This is the get-out-the-vote machinery, uh, registering voters and, and getting your supporters to the polls, including getting folks to vote early uh, to, to bank those votes. And the reporting we're seeing on the ground is that, you know, Hillary Clinton has a, a pretty robust uh, campaign organization in a state like Florida and also in Ohio where I'm based, uh, in some cases just sort of, uh, taking and, and expanding the uh, ground game operation that Barack Obama ran in 2008 and 2012 in those states. And Trump is, is behind trying to sort of gear up uh, ground game operations in these states, in part because Trump has sort of outsourced the ground game uh, activity that a campaign usually coordinates or, or uh, participates in to the Republican National Committee or the Republican parties in these states. And that just means it was a late start and also fewer resources that are being devoted to the ground game. Mark, when, uh, can you tell, um, and, and as you look at the, the battleground states and what Hillary Clinton is doing now, she was sort of pulling back and raising a lot of money. Now she's going to come out swinging again. Are, are, are she being asked much about the latest FBI memo on her email usage? Is this, is it only, you know, political junkies and reporters who are so interested in this? Does the voting public, do you get a sense that they are paying attention to this? We'll see. I mean, I think you're right. There's, there's a, there is a sense that a lot of this is already baked in that, you know, the people who are paying attention, uh, have already accounted for this. Either they care or they don't care about, uh, the email scandals involving Hillary Clinton and also the questions about, uh, her involvement with the Clinton Foundation and her time as Secretary of State. But like I said before, we're, we're sort of at the phase of the campaign now where, you know, people who haven't been paying attention and not unlike political junkies, you know, living and breathing this campaign are really sort of looking and tuning in for the first time. Um, and we'll see if, you know, how much sway those particular issues have on them. And I think a lot is going to be determined, frankly, by the debates this cycle. Um, a lot of voters already know Hillary Clinton and, and Donald Trump, and to the extent that they haven't paid attention, I think the debates will, will help crystallize for them you know, one way or the other, how they feel about the issues that uh, are important or help them decide the race, including, you know, their views about the email situation with Hillary Clinton and as well as the, uh, the use of the Clinton Foundation. Uh, just quickly, Mark, uh, third parties, whether it be Libertarian or Green Party, are they going to have an uh, effect on the election results? They could, and there's sort of a parlor game uh, going on right now to determine sort of who do they hurt. If if you sort of start from the premise that, you know, it's unlikely a third party candidate could win an election, you know, where does the votes go or come from uh, if, if a vote goes to a Green Party or a Libertarian? Does it pull votes from Hillary Clinton, for example, or help Donald Trump? Um, and, and we're starting to see you know, analysis even at the state level in, in these battleground states about, you know, what impact a third party vote can have. Thanks very much for joining us. Mark Niquette is a government reporter for Bloomberg News. He's joining us from the battleground state of Ohio. He's in Columbus. He can be followed on Twitter at M. Niquette. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes, and this is Bloomberg. <laughs> 